I want to talk about rest today. I don't know that there's any more important subject that I could probably talk about today. And when I say rest, I'm not only talking about physical rest, but actually there's not much physical rest if you don't have emotional and spiritual rest. Uh, when you have that, you know, everything goes really, really well. I think the whole world's looking for peace right now. And the whole world is incredibly restless, no matter if it's the next COVID virus coming down the pike or whatever. And it's interesting, I've been watching you respond. And many of you have been, double, been doing double time, triple time, making sure that I understand the events of the day and the true pain and sorrow of the government and everything else. <laughs> so you can imagine what my life's like getting these notices of the latest thing, video and everything. But if I'm too calm for you, don't worry about it. I'm very, very well appraised. But it does me no good to listen to the latest whatever of things that are crashing or falling apart and not keeping my peace. Because actually Jesus is at the center of everything. And I can hear his voice a lot better that way and know how to respond, right? So many things that we get because of the new technology, we get it. And, uh, it's just, uh, and of course, who wants to listen to a boring post or a boring you know, YouTube? So they... They have to have something, they often fluff it just a little bit, right? Otherwise, nobody will listen. So, uh, and that includes a fair amount of terror and fear, which are real, I think, to some extent, but maybe not as real as maybe uh, the world would have us uh, think, or maybe even other believers sometimes that have us think, who are obviously triggered by this or that. And so um, it's so important uh, for us in this time to have rest. Now, we're going to have a great resting time. It always happens this year. Uh, something happens when we have this women's dinner. And um, it's just, uh, we have the men in black, which we actually need about seven or eight more. Please, guys, need to help us, man. We've got a couple of hundred women or more. How many women is it? Two fifty, yeah. So we need rest in here, and you guys and the men in black. What that means is men in black. That means you just dress in black, right? I think you can handle that. Just show up. You don't have to know how to do anything. Believe me, I don't know how to do anything. I just carry stuff. Just do whatever they tell me to do. You know, no problem. So I just want to say that. So I'm just getting a plug for rest when this weekend event comes and we start doing this, right? So is it this Friday or is it? Oh my gosh. Oh, rest, 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 rest. I don't know what I'm talking about. You're doing all the work. But anyway, when, our, when one of us is extremely busy, the other one is extremely busy by, by just being in the atmosphere, right? So let's read a couple of verses out of the Scripture, okay? Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Really? Really? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The question is whether we take the time or have the faith to actually come to him. Because it didn't necessarily show up physically, right? So we're talking about spirit here. And so when we become born again, we become, one of the amazing things about becoming born again is we become aware of God, that he really exists, that he is who he says he is, right? We become aware, and in that awareness, one of the greatest things is peace. So all that sin and guilt and things we've done and things that are troubling us, we can just give it to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for all of that. Thank you for your amazing gift of forgiveness because of what you did on the cross. But it doesn't stop there. It turns out there's a Holy Spirit that, he, that is given at the same time. In other words, when you become born again, something supernatural happens on the inside of you. 
the very presence of God comes and lives. And so what we are is custodians, so to speak, of that presence. And in that presence is rest. I've tried to rest every which way you can, right? <laughs> How many of you know, like, okay, try to rest on this vacation you've been looking for, forward to for three weeks, right? Or three months or three years maybe even. You can have a week of rest. Yeah, okay, try to do that. <laughs> You can't do it without your spiritual rester being in place. You know that? But you find out you're busier than ever and you come back exhausted from the so-called vacation. I guess I'm the only one that's experienced that, but just in case, right? So real rest is given by Jesus. That's one of the wonderful things of knowing Jesus is that he gives you rest. Finally, things calm down on the inside. Things that were driving you, things that were pushing you, Things that were undone, uh, things that are uncertain, suddenly become certain. They don't become certain because all your circumstances change. They become certain because God's with you. And he's giving you that rest. But not only a promise of rest, but also that he can take care of any storm and will. What a beautiful thing that is. And to have that trust and faith. So part of finding this place of rest starts with this born-again experience that we call salvation. But... The Spirit actually, the Spirit of God actually comes and lives on the inside of us. So accessing Him, actually letting Him rule in our life, listening to His voice. And one great place to go is just reading the Bible because evidently the Spirit of God loves the Bible. So when you read it, you find these places in there that are just for you. You ever had that happen? You're reading it belong the Bible, you know, and even in a weird place like Exodus or something, then all of a sudden there's something there for you. That's why the Bible is so powerful because the Word of God is a place of rest. <clears throat> it's the story of God, the story of his redemption, the story of how he fixes things and how only he can fix things, especially on the inside of us, but on the outside as well. So we can make a place for rest. Let's turn to Psalm 131. It's so funny. I'm laughing on the inside of this sermon because I did anything but rest <laughs> for the last two days, man. And last night, oh my gosh. You know, I think I'm going to think twice before I do a sermon on rest. It's amazing, the warfare and the kind of things that come against you. Oh, wow. I wasn't really expecting that, you know. And I should have, I suppose. Uh, because the enemy hates, if there's anything he hates you to do is rest in God, to have peace. He hates it. That's what hell is. Hell is unrest. You can have hell on earth, too. Yeah. And so... That's what you get when you're trying to prepare a sermon on uh, <coughs> rest. The enemy challenges it. I mean, there is a real-life devil, by the way, and uh, he really does cause problems, and very unique problems. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is you're looking forward to this vacation for, for months and months on end, and you go on this vacation, and you're more exhausted when you get back than when you went, right? I mean, you know, it's <laughs> and lots of things that don't make sense, right? We try to rest. But it can only really be done in the Lord. And it really doesn't matter whether you're away or here. I'm finding that I can rest if I give God a chance. Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. Listen to this. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So that's so nice. It sounds so theoretical in a way, you know. 
I've calmed and quieted myself. What, why can you calm and quiet yourself? Because there's someone else in charge of your life besides you. And also, by the way, someone in charge of the universe beside you, not just the like United States, but every country of the world, and someone who actually came in the form of flesh, was crucified, and proved he was God by resurrecting from the dead, proved he was the creator, and also helps us understand through the word of God and through our experiencing with him that he's actually causing all things to work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now carrying that around in your spirit is restful in itself. I don't care what's going on. God calls it all to work together for my good, right? The worst disappointment, the worst death, the worst sickness. It's amazing what he can do. That's what he does. It's part of your promise. That's why you can rest. That's why he can say, you know, I've calmed and quieted myself. But all the psalmist did was took advantage of what is in God already. And that there's someone in charge, that he worships someone that's in charge of everything. Every government, every leader, every anything you could imagine. The economy, the COVID crisis, all of the whole thing, right? Oh my gosh, our world. Have you ever been in a more restless time than now? (laughs) I mean, honestly... I mean, now we got the Omicron thingy or whatever. <laughs> and you listen, the news guys are having the greatest time. They're the guys that are having the greatest time of all, man. They always got something to say to scare the heck out of you with, right? They're on top, man. They're on top of their game, you know. The ratings are through the ceiling, you know. And, you know, they don't di- dial it down. They dial it up because they want you on the edge of your seat watching every little thing, right? Doesn't matter the network. They're all the same in the sense of they don't have any problem sharing the worst of news and then making it even worse, right? I mean, it's like just like the way it is. I think you kind of got to know that, especially as you look through, you know, the media and all the different forms of media. Now there's like 75,000 different ways to scare you, right? <laughs> right off your phone anytime you want. You just get scared, scared to death. Just turn the phone on, Google something, bam, there it is. You know, just five things could scare you half to death. So this is not exactly a very restful time through all of our media explosion, guess what? The devil found a way to make people very, very restless. And it's in that unrest, both for Christians and non-Christians, that we make some of the stupidest decisions. And I've been watching people make a lot of decisions. And they're making decisions all over the place. And I tell you what, from what I've observed uh, from our congregation and from others and people I know, a lot of those decisions are being made from a place of rest. And when they're not made from a place of rest, that means that you might have just jumped from the frying pan to the fire by moving somewhere, doing change. Make sure that whatever you do, it has rest in it. It has peace in it. And I'm going to say this. Listen, don't settle for anything less. You can have rest. You can make a decision out of peace with the Lord. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Jesus wasn't ever worried about anything. Storms matter, you know, sleeping right through them, right? He's in charge. But the thing is, if you know him, he's also in charge of you. So nothing's random. That's why we can say, he causes all things to work together for our good. And we can make a place for rest. We can, we can do that. We can actually calm ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do this. It's possible through his power. Not only by ourselves, but through his power. Rest often follows when the Spirit strongly testifies that we're God's children and we no longer live in fear. And I want to just say this. This is the 
uh, most probably dynamic thing I've ever experienced. You see, the spirit that comes and lives inside of us is supernatural. Okay, so usually when we say the word supernatural, we think of superheroes and super this and super that, which he can certainly do all that stuff. He flung the whole universe into place, right? He controls everything. He invented volcanoes. He understands earthquakes, right? He understands it all, right? But there's something here that's so important for us from Romans chapter 8. It's at the heart of our walk with the Lord. And um, I'm going to read this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Even that thought that I'm a child of God. So important not only to know it mentally, but experience it spiritually. So it turns out that there's experience in God. We call it the love of the Father, or the love of God, or the love of the Spirit. You know, It's where God comes and brings his presence on the inside of us and lets us know we're his, right? We experience that a lot when we get saved, the first time we give our life to Christ. We, we feel we belong, we feel connected. But there's more mountaintops than just that experience in the Lord. We see it here. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. That's what the world does. It makes you a slave. Even when you go on vacation, it makes you a slave. <laughs> Right? Supposedly. It does, you know, even when you're trying to, it tries to enslave you around every turn. Right? The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. That's the whole thing. Because fear is where the restlessness comes from. Fear of not having enough. Fear of no, somebody not loving me. Fear of not getting married. Fear of, you, you fill in the blank. Right? The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And there's very powerful Greek words here. We talk about it a lot here, but I just want to go talk about this again. By him, we cry, Abba, Father. Now, the word Abba is like Daddy. So God's like Daddy to us. You know, see the little cute kids saying Daddy. There's nothing cuter at Christmas than Daddy or Mommy, right? But that's what's being communicated here. And the word cry is a loud animal scream. It's like a, 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 a it's not just like cry, it's like, ah! You know, Abba, Father. It's so funny. Like I tell people in my class, one of my best examples of this is just watching even now, like I've watched it just the other day. You're in the grocery store and everything's going on and there's little kids with their mom, you know, and mom's really busy. And there's a little five-year-old roaming around just feeling his oats, running around up and down the aisle. And you're just watching. You're looking at your watch. Okay, okay, it's going to, okay. Ten, nine, eight. Pretty soon he wanders three rows over and he realizes he can't find mom anymore. And then you hear that shriek. Ah! Mama! Right? That's it. Weak by him we cry, Abba. Daddy. Abba. Abba means daddy. Daddy. Father. I like that. Could it be that God could actually be daddy? Could I just say to you, if he's not daddy, he's not father. Father is the more formal term. Daddy, that's where you're headed. It almost seems sacrilegious. It almost seems like, wow, that's a little sacrilegious, isn't it, calling God Daddy? Well, there it is right in the Scripture. No, that's exactly what the Spirit on the inside of you calls out from inside with his experience with God. That's the supernatural presence of God. The Spirit himself testifies. The Spirit of God inside of you testifies. That word is the word martyr. We translate martyr from strong testimony with our spirit that we are God's Kids. We are God's kids. Now, that's a very powerful, powerful place because when you are in touch with that, 
You don't fear anything anymore. Just like a little baby, a little child gets secure with their mom or dad. They might not even understand the circumstances, but if they're in dad's arms or mom's arms, they're okay. That experience is for you. You can experience that in God. So like, I'm not just trying to show you like some toys in the candy store that you might have at some, or somebody fortunate with enough money could buy. I'm saying that anybody can have this experience. So we talk about this a lot, that there is an experience with the Father's love that casts out fear, no matter the circumstance. So I'm always trying to go back to that place. First, when I go back to that place, I'm just remembering, okay, God, you're my dad, you're, you're in charge, you're, you're in charge, you're, you're not only my dad, but you're the king of the universe, and you can do a thing, anything about any of my problems, and not only that, but you want to. He's not a short order cook, but at the same time, he has this way of taking what we would love to have happen and making it better. And then we get, sometimes we misunderstand because we ordered this, like, put our order in, but it didn't quite come back like we thought it would be. But over time, you'll find out it comes back better because he causes all things to work together for our good. So not only is he powerful enough to cause all things to work together for our good, but he's powerful enough to calm us to bring the supernatural spirit of God on the inside of us and make us peaceful and at rest. It's a beautiful thing. I find that so many Christians miss it. One of the reasons why they miss it is because they miss the Holy Spirit. They don't understand how powerful he is. They don't understand that there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as you look through the pages of the New Testament, the very first thing Jesus said is, after he, as he was ascending to heaven, he says, you guys wait because the Spirit's coming. And when the Spirit came, he baptized them. He, the word baptized already means he immersed them with the Holy Spirit. And so I teach about this in my class, week in and week out on Wednesday nights, because it's the, it's the main thing. Not only do you get saved and the Spirit comes inside you, but there's a baptism with the Holy Spirit, which activates all kinds of spiritual gifts. But the most wonderful thing it does is it activates this loving voice, the voice of the Father, that you can access at any time. One place that I do a lot is in worship. You could feel in the worship. So, like, okay, so maybe even you are newer, and you maybe you're newer to the Lord, but you can at least experience or uh, register wherever you're at spiritually that there's some kind of unity, there's some kind of voice in the air, a corporate thing that at least the people in this room actually seem to believe, right? Even if you're new to the things of the Lord. But for us that know the Lord, it's far deeper in that because God actually literally inhabits the praises of his people, which means that when we worship, he shows up. And we can feel it in our spirit. And suddenly things go calm. That's one reason why I love to worship. As long as we worship. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, in my Presbyterian church when I was being raised, you know, I could like time it on my watch when the worship would be over and the sermon would begin. It was like 21 minutes every single time. And they nailed it, you know. Then I'd fall asleep on my dad's shoulder for the next 30 minutes or so. And then wake up just in time to hear the doxology and a couple of things. And then out we go, right? Exactly 60 minutes every single time, right? So that was okay. But I think there's more. So... Maybe we should be a little bit more concerned about the time, but we're not. And probably, like if you really like to be with somebody, you don't really worry about the time as much, do you? It's just that when you can't feel that other person in the room or don't know they're there or don't know God's there, that time suddenly becomes as important as it is in your everyday life. Rushing here, rushing there. So it's so important. 
It's so important. 1 John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. There's no fear in love. Ooh, that's the best dividend of all. Our entire world and all the nations with them have never been in such a place of fear. It's funny how they all respond. Everybody responds differently to the fear. Some hibernate, some hide. Some people get more forceful, more rules, set them down, you know, all this. But that fear spirit, I ain't responding to that. I'm not going there. That's the number one thing we've decided to do with our church. We are not going to go get caught up with the whole rest of the world. We are not going to be afraid. We are going to manage. That doesn't mean I'm not afraid. I get afraid, but I am not going to go down the toilet with everybody else. I had the strangest things happen to me when I'm speaking. Now I'm hearing, what a world, what a world, what a world, what a world. What movie is that of? <laughs> but anyway, I'm not going there, wherever that movie is from. I can't remember. <laughs> Who knows? No, it's some probably. What is it? No. Huh? I don't know. It's actually probably in like 5,000 different movies, but anyway. <laughs> All right, so back to my subject here. First <laughs> John 4, 18. So that all said all that to say this. There is no fear in love. No fear. But perfect love drives out fear. So when you feel loved by God, it drives the fear out of you. So that's why we act a little different. The church should be different in this time because of these very things. We literally march to the beat of a different drummer. We're hearing something else, and it drives the world absolutely crazy. And then there's the other part of the church that gets in with the world and starts bringing their religious spirit and condemning everything. And God, uh, but where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, right? So we, you find us a little more relaxed. It's the right way to be. It's normal. And if you're uptight, tied up in five thousand knots, and da da. That's abnormal, right? Last time I checked, God still heals, right? Still delivers. But I know where I'm going even if he doesn't, right? Because <laughs> there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I, I don't need to be, I'm not going to be punished. I'm clean, I'm clear. If I die, I go to be with Jesus. He took care of the punishment part by dying on the cross and God put it all on him. But why not have that act out in my everyday life too, right? Because so many of us are afraid. We're even afraid of God punishing us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Spirit can warn us, don't do that, because that's probably not smart. You're joining the enemy's camp, you know. Stay out of that camp. And your decisions especially, I just encourage you. Can I just exhort you? Before you make a major move in this age, in this time, this season, be careful extremely careful that you're not moving out of a spirit of fear. You will regret it later. Be careful. The grass is greener. Oh, Idaho. Oh, Wyoming. Oh. I used to live in those places. And I go, oh, my God, you're moving there, you know. Well, I'll see you in a couple of years. Mosquitoes this big. Unbelievable. But if you're supposed to move, you better move. Because some of you are supposed to go. 
Some of this season that's moving around is ordained by God and you're supposed to do that. Just make sure that you're not being driven out. You're going out like you're on a new adventure. It's a new season. Okay, yeah, God, we're going. Okay, here we go. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because why? He first loved us. First loved us. Wow. I love that passage so much. That's truly the place that we want to be and truly the place that we can be in. See, resting is a place of confidence and faith. I love David so much in the Old Testament um, because he understood this place. <laughs> it's so funny reading his writings because he's a great king, the greatest king of the Middle East in his time, right? So you read Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He had a lot of people to be afraid of. Sometimes his own sons and daughters rebelled trying to kill him. Not, not to mention the nations of the world. Everybody's trying to knock his block out. But he writes this thing. Hey, he's the stronghold. Who, who should I be afraid of? When the wicked advance against me, which they did, to devour me, which they tried to, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. I want to be like him. Okay, go ahead and attack me. You're just going to stumble and fall. <laughs> Though an army besieged me, and he had literally had armies besieging him. He's <laughs> not talking theoretically here. My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from all this only do I seek that I may dwell on the house of the Lord. What a beautiful thing. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent. That would be here, by the way. The New Testament understanding that the interpretation of that is even more glorious than what he had. He had a tent and the presence of God would reside in that place. But now the new tent is us individually and us when we gather together. That's what it was forecasting. That would happen. So we are those sacred tents inside. And corporately when we gather, right, at his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And when you do that, don't you feel that peace, that, uh, that grace? Even if you're not acquainted with these things, you know something's different about this room. You know, can't, maybe you can't quite identify it, but you know. There's something different. Hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Why would I seek his face? Because his face got love on it. Because his face cares for me. Because his face wants me to do well. Skipping down to verse 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. And I just want to say this. We should just make this... I want you to say this after me. I'm going to say it once, then we'll say it again. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. All right? Say me this verse with me. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Just so great to say that, isn't it? Right? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord, he says. I will see the goodness of the Lord. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. By the way, COVID-19, 20, 21, 27, 38, whatever many there are, A, B, C, Omicron, whatever else, I don't know, it won't be here forever. It has an expiration date, right? But even for the believers, we don't have to live in the terror of 
waiting for, longing for the expiration date. Life doesn't stop just because there's a little trouble in the air. Life continues for us, right? Why? Because we know the one that's in charge. And actually, he loved us so much that he shed blood for us so that we'd be his sons and daughters. So I think that he's okay taking care of us during this crisis. And even if we were to pass away, guess what? We got our promotion. Right? Isaiah 40, 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. I'm just going to speak over everyone. Maybe you said that this week. Maybe you said it before you came to church. Maybe you said it complaining about going to church because your way just seems to be hidden from the Lord. Why do you say that? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired or weary in his understanding no one can fathom. No, this is what he does. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So here's the thing. During this crisis, we've been getting stronger, not weaker. And we see it all over our church in so many different ways. Even if you're changing careers, many of us are finding better ones. You should expect that. Somebody didn't have a great career anyway, so it's a great improvement, right? <laughs> God's the God of more, not less. Same way you are with your own kids. If we weren't children, that wouldn't be the case. If you've gone through a hard time, it's only, you're only headed toward more, not less. And the fear of less is what will do you in more than anything else. Not that even the fact of it or even the outline of it. It's the fear of it that draws it to you, right? He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. Even if you have to go to 75 grocery stores in about four hours, which is what he, about what he did, right? And the funny thing is, he was saying it along as he was going. We were talking about it. And he said, yeah, but you know what? You know, I might just have opened the door for more contributions than ever because I made contact with all these grocery stores. This thing may end up <laughs> giving me more. I may end up getting more food than, than I could ever have bargained for. You know what I mean? That's the way God works, right? He does stuff like that. So when we think it's, we're on our last leg or it's the end, it's just the beginning, isn't it? Oh, I love God. So amazing. Psalm 46. I love these verses. Resting is an inner place of strong confidence. I love the psalm so much because if there's one, David wrote most of them and he was this king who also loved God so much and he was a marriage of government you know, and and the church at the same time, right? And uh, so he writes things like this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. That's pretty serious. Though the, its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. That's why the world has such a hard time understanding us in this time. We just got this river, and we can't help but be happy. Right? 
we can't help but seeing things from a different light, a different way, you know, which causes us to pause and think about it for a little while. And all the stuff that we're being fed from the media and other places, we, we, we actually sit down and go, we're calm enough to say, is that really true? You know, instead of, oh no, another one, it's coming, it's coming, you know, <laughs> the latest, you know, it's coming, it's coming. Oh my gosh, and there we go running. Oh Lord, people are running every which direction right now. There's a river though, and it flows right through here, and it makes the city of God glad. The holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. Fall, sorry. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. <laughs> Talk about authority. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That verse right there, you can take that one to the bank. He will be exalted among the nations. However this plays out, now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, whenever the world ends or wherever it is, he always finds this way of being exalted in the nations. There are more people turning to God and the nations than ever in the history of all of humanity combined in the last few years. Did you know that? You might not even know that. More people are turning to Christ just in the last few years than have been all the other years of humanity combined since the Christian church existed 2,000 years. Well, it makes a little sense if you just think about the numbers a little bit, the billions that we have now on the planet instead of 400 million, right? But now those Eight billion are being exposed at a level that nobody could have imagined. As a believer, you'll know that. As an unbeliever, you have no idea. Can't imagine the shock waves that are going through places like Iran and India right now as we speak. Unbelievable activity and grace. And of course, the enemy wants to make you think like the whole world's going down the toilet. We're all going to die. And there we go. That's the enemy. Trusting the good shepherd who has a gentle and humble heart. I want to talk about the gentle and humble heart of God. A lot of people have different ideas of God, but if he's anything, he's what Jesus exemplified himself to be and the way he actually treated us. Treated all people when he was alive, but took that ultimate step of allowing himself to be crucified by evil people, evil people who mistreated him. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, the hired Hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. See, he owns you. Sometimes we treat him like like we're hired hands and he's the boss. No, he owns us. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. That's what a hired person does. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But God's not like that, right? God doesn't do that. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So God's already done the best for you. He laid down his life for you already and made it possible for you to no matter what, you will live eternally forever and ever. You've already, he's already negotiated that one. If God be for me then, who can be against me? 
Knowing our true identity with the Good Shepherd causes a spirit of rest on us. And it's funny because he constantly uh, takes care of us. And there's a great example of this. And I won't read the whole thing just for time's sake. You've heard me preach on this before. But one of the most famous psalms in the whole Bible, even people that don't know much about God have heard this psalm, right? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a nice poem, but actually what's mirroring it is the actual shepherd. All this imagery here is what a real shepherd does for the sheep. And there's this unique relationship between shepherds and sheep that's unbelievable. We have no idea because we have no idea of a, in that kind of economy, agrarian culture. But they take the shepherd is everything. He protects them. He leads them beside still waters. He does everything because sheep are dumb. And sometimes we're a little dumb. We just need a lot of help. So he anoints us. Even that anointed my head with oil. All of these are symbols. These are all things that they actually do. Shepherds actually anoint the head with oil. You know why they anoint their sheep's head with oil? So that flies won't fly up their nose. Because the fly flies up their nose, they go crazy and they run off cliffs and run themselves into, uh, into trees and die. That's what sheep do. So they have to make sure that a certain time of the year they anoint their head with oil. <laughs> they put it all up so the, so the bugs don't get up their nose. Can you imagine? These humble sheep, they're just like us. That's what God does. He takes care of the sheep. He's the good shepherd, constantly caring for us. Constantly. He's not distant. Didn't wind the whole thing up and then said, I'll see you guys whenever I come back. But in the meantime, go for it. (laughs) No, he's intimately involved like a shepherd cares for the sheep. A shepherd has one of the hardest jobs of all. The sheep are in constant danger, day and night, day and night. Predators everywhere. Everything's trying to destroy their sheep. And they're some of those helpless animals. They actually fall on their back. They get cast. Also, why are, why are you cast down? It's old English term for sheep landing on their back. And they, if you don't turn them over, they die in their gases. <laughs> Can you imagine? So one job of the shepherd is to turn them over. And by extension, that's what we do for each other. Because sometimes we get turned over. We get flat on our back. We get so discouraged, so overwhelmed with life, we just turn over and give up. Crazy stuff. So God uses us to help, and He, but he makes sure he sends us to help him. Sometimes he just turns us over all by himself, right? The sheep know his voice because why? He's always speaking. We think of sheep knowing his voice. That's the main way that the shepherd controls the sheep. They know his voice. And he has to keep cocking to them because they're always getting in trouble. They're always going the wrong direction. And they're calmed down immediately when he speaks over them. Everything calms down, especially if there's been a predator or some danger or the weather's bad or whatever. They always, isn't it nice to know that God's always talking? Don't say that again. God's always talking. You say, yeah. Just read your Bible. Yes, he talks through that. Yes, that's true. But he's also talking. You know why? Don't do that. You might want to do this. That's not a good place. Yeah, there you go. Come on, come on. That's God's voice to get on the inside of you when you know Jesus. The good shepherd is yoked, partner together with us, and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Can I just say that? 
His yoke is easy and his burden is light. The world's yoke is heavy. It is not light. It masquerades as being lighter. It masquerades as being easier. But in the long run, all it will do is enslave you. It traps you and enslaves you into these horrible ways of thinking. And it's most enlightened versions of thinking in the world today. You think that all these guys are getting these incredible ideas about the way the world should be and, 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 and redefining everything from sexuality to whatever. You know, that voice is an enslaving voice. But God's voice isn't like that. In the end, He speaks. He partners with us. And His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. So as we close here today, I want to just turn to Mark chapter 1. It says in Roman numeral 3 there, resting in the wind and the waves. I felt like I should share this today because I, I just think that uh, maybe we should even just remind ourselves of why we need to live differently, why we can live differently. And even if we feel like we're sticking out and we feel a little weird to the rest of the world or maybe to some of our family members, or there's good reason for that. We're following the good shepherd. He brings us rest. We're in a different place. When I think of rest, it's just a funny thing because how many have gone on a vacation to go rest, right? <laughs> wow. You know, we do things to go rest. But without the inner thing going on, it's really hard to really rest. We end up getting more exhausted with our vacation than we ever got, you know, just if we just stayed at our job, right? There was a nice change of scenery, ever, but rest, true rest comes from the Lord. And solitary places are great places. Jesus actually took a lot of time to go to solitary places and he just did it to, to rest, right? And so we can go to those places as well. Um, uh, Mark 1, uh, 35. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In the last days of his life, it's very interesting. He found so much rest and comfort from the Lord that he said, won't you come and pray with me? You know, he was inviting his disciples in, but they were all falling asleep. He knew he was about to die. But it's interesting. He went to prayer to get rest. Sometimes we go to pray and we don't get everything but rest. Everything's going through our brain. We can't think. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? If prayer should be anything, it should be a rest. It's not necessarily making sure that you get your laundry list of things said to God. It's a place where you can actually encounter God. Prayer is a place of encounter. And so it's something that we practice and kind of learn to do a little bit because we don't come by it by naturally, but we do come by it supernaturally. And if you want to rest, God will show you how to rest even in a solitary place. Matter of fact, for some of us to go to a solitary place and sit and meditate is about the worst death they could imagine. They can't imagine that that would actually be good, right? i got to admit, I'm one of those people. I'm not as easy to go in a solitary place and meditate. But I'm learning. And I'm learning to take advantage of quiet and peace. And But I can't do it for peace's sake. i got to do it to find Jesus. If I find Jesus there... And he comes in those places. Especially say, you know, Lord, I'm going to spend some time with you. You think God's going, oh, going, oh no, I ain't going to spend time with you. You've, you've spent way too busy. You've been way too busy. Now you think you're going to get things right? No way. You know, these voices go on. They're crazy voices, but this is the way we do it, right? Maybe I'm the only one. But anyway, okay. But here, Jesus rested in the quiet places. But here's an interesting thing. He also rested in the storm, which is the place we find ourselves in a lot right now. He also rested in the storm. Look at this little story, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. 
There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I'll tell you, number one thing God's building, or maybe I won't say number one, but let's put it in the top five in us, is he's teaching us how to rest in the storm. It's a little bit harrowing, but he's teaching us. He's teaching the entire church. It's one of the things on his agenda. He's teaching them not to be afraid. He's teaching them to go to another level of faith. To stop worrying. He has the authority to quiet the storm. And we can do it in his name. But even if it doesn't quiet down right away, you can still sleep through the storm. God gives you that kind of peace. He'll help you. You just have to believe that that's actually possible, right? Resting is a very powerful weapon that overcomes the enemy. Whether we're resting in a storm or in a solitary place. Because what we do is we reconnect with the giver of life, the prince of peace, literally up close, the only one that's really able, as far as I can tell, to calm my soul. Drugs won't do it. Altered mind states won't do it. Hobbies won't do it. Because they all end, and then you're back to the whole other thing again. But God stays with you. Jesus stays with you always. He, he never leaves. And I like to say this. Maybe one way to say it is that we also need to learn to guard the living room of our life. You know, the living room, especially if you have kids, it's a very, very busy place, especially at Christmas, right? And uh, I say this because uh, Jesus was visiting his friends, Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are in need. Few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what was happening there, as you can imagine, the creator of the universe, the Son of God, is in the living room. And Martha is doing her duty and responsibility, you know. But Mary sees something. She realizes this is an amazing moment. God's here. I think that there's more Mary of Owens available to us than we know. I think he shows up more than we know. It's just that sometimes we're just too busy to notice that he's there with us. We don't make space for him, right? We're too busy serving him or doing this and that. He... But learning to feel his presence is one of the wonderful things that we have in the Lord, one of the things that we get to learn. Because of the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us, it's absolutely possible to know his presence and to slow down when we feel his presence. Or maybe sometimes speed up, but it's not the issue of whether you're going faster or slower. It's a matter of whether you're at rest in your spirit or not. So you can actually be at rest in your spirit and still work hard. Or you can be at rest in your spirit and just pause either way, but the rest the Lord wants to give is that we're not upset about many things, right? We're calm. This is a time that we're all learning to do that. This is a time for learning to rest in the wind and the waves. 
I'm not that comfortable with the waves. I wish they would stop tomorrow. But we don't see much end in sight for now. But now is the time for the church to learn incredible lessons about walking in this storm and learning to hear his voice even better and coming away with more in our life, not less, more. Not, when I say more, not less, I'm not just talking about super spiritual things. I'm talking about everything. Some of you had crappy jobs before this began. <laughs> You're working your, your fingers to the bone and only making a little bit of money. Why did you not get a promotion? You say, oh, I lost my job. Then you cried and cried because you lost your job, but that job stunk anyway. Why don't we find a better one? Well, there's no jobs to be had. It's the pandemic. Oh, really? Did you know that's not true? Even like from a casual observation, it's not true. All kinds of industries and opportunities are opening up. You know how I know that? Because I know you and I've been noticing. A lot of you are finding more money and more places to go, getting better jobs than you could imagine. You're finding more opportunity, not less. And you should be looking. This could be for all of us because of who we worship because of who's in the boat with us, this could be the more, not less, season for our church and for all of us. It has been for us so far, honestly. It has been more, not less, for us as a church. It's amazing. We've learned to do all kinds of new things, met all kinds of new faces. We're ministering in all kinds of ways we didn't expect. We've got a school, for heaven's sake, hundred and I don't know how many kids, 50 kids, 144 kids, I can't remember. And who knows, probably went up 10 by that time I checked glass. I mean, it's we've got the warehouse is going absolutely nuts. And But more than that, our ministry to the weak and the poor and putting them in, finding homes for them and finding places has never been, it's an all-time high. We've never been so useful in the community as now. Never in all these years. We are more useful. We are more productive. We are more fruitful than we've ever been. And it's taken a little bit of courage to step out of the boat. It's taken a little bit of courage, you know, to keep moving and keep going, keep assembling, uh, keep doing things, holding on to things, meeting privately at home to home or place to place or corporately. Some other decisions we've made. I mean, why did we start a school in the middle of a pandemic? Well, it's just because that's what God wanted. But it's a delightful thing. I love the little kids around here. It's so great. I can feel it already. We're going all the way through high school, by God's grace, within a couple of years. We're going to go all the way. And I have no idea how that's all going to work out. But it will work out. It will work out. More, not less. What's more, not less in your life? What is it? Think about that. What's more, not less? Lord, I just ask you right now that you would just build our faith in Jesus' name. Just encourage us. Why don't we all just stand for a minute? I could have the worship team come. The reason why we always have a worship team is because um, the worship team, when the music goes up, it's not just about music, it's about the presence. So King David was a great master at that. He understood connection between the presence of God and the music of God. Sometimes music says things that I could never say or can never be expressed in words. And I just thought what we should do today is take a moment's rest with the Lord as we close today. So we're just going to worship a little while. 
And uh, I should encourage you, if you have to go, if you're under a, a time pressure of some kind or another, uh, feel free. It's okay. If you can just leave quietly, because I'm going to just spend like the next, it won't be a half hour, but next four or five minutes, and let's just ask God to give us a moment's of rest. You know, if you ask the creator of the universe who actually came down and shed blood for you to give you rest, do you think he's up there saying, no way? <laughs> no. Those are golden words. Those are wonderful. Yeah, I'll give you rest. Because I want you to really know me so when the trials of life come, you're okay. So I want you just to surrender here just a minute. Just ask the Lord to rest on you, okay? We're not going to do anything else but just receive the presence of God, right? And while you're receiving his, your presence, while you're in the presence of God, if you want to ask him for a couple of things, why don't you do that? Just say, Lord, you know, I, I haven't been in church much, but uh, I don't know much about this, but, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you could take care of this for me. He's okay with that. The moment you show up, his eyes lighten up. He's the good shepherd. Ah, oh, you rascal, you've been out there too long. Come on in, you know. I've been looking for you. That's what shepherds do. That's their whole job. Keep sheep out of trouble. So the good shepherd's here. And I think he just might speak to us here in the next couple of minutes. Feel free to offer up something that you'd like to offer up in prayer. That's where worshiping, something in need. It won't spend long. It's long enough to get a taste of God and to let a spirit of rest come in the room. If you should find rest, it should be in the church. It should be with God's people, where the shepherd is. He inhabits the praises of his people. That's how close he is. So let's just sing a little bit, and then we'll close.